0: Book Eight, Chapter One of Round the Block by John Belbutton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Eighth, A Dramatic Interlude, Chapter One, The Overture. It was the last of a delightful series of dramatic nights at Mrs. Slapman's, and her house was quite filled with embodied poetry, travels, dramatic literature, music, art, and the sciences. The dramatic arrangements of Mrs. Slapman's house were simple but effective. A curtain with rings hung across the north end of the parlor established the confines of the stage, which was on a level with the floor and covered with green baize to represent rural scenes or a three ply carpet to indicate refined interiors. Against the walls were rollers from which scenes could be dropped affording perspectives of country or streets or gilded saloons as the necessities of the drama required there were six of these scenes all painted by patching to oblige mrs slapman in his leisure moments which were numerous and they all exhibited evidences of his style six sets of flies or side scenes matching with the rear views had been executed by a scene painter's assistant whom mrs slapman had taken under her patronage and were thought by some persons superior to patching's efforts such was the belittling criticism to which that great artist was constantly subjected there was a space of about four feet between the top of the curtain and the high ceiling The light from the parlor chandelier directly in front, aided by six gas jets behind the scenes, made the whole performance and performers as clear as noonday. This miniature theater was constructed of portable frames, which could be put up or taken down in half an hour, and was the ingenious invention of the scene painter's assistant. When it was removed, the only traces of its former presence were two brass-headed spikes in the walls from which the side curtains depended these spikes imparted anguish to the mind of mr slapman whenever he gazed upon them mrs s had heard him say that some people would look well hanging up there by some people he was supposed to mean the gentleman who participated in her dramatic entertainments mrs s bore the cruel remark meekly merely replying that perhaps he had better try the strength of the spikes first by suspending himself from one of them the audience usually numbering about fifty were seated in chairs which filled the parlor with the exception of a space of ten feet in front of the stage a fair view of the entire proceedings could be had from all but the two back rows of chairs the occupants of which were compelled to imagine the attachment of feet and ankles to the several characters of the drama from the left wing of the stage a door opened into the hall affording communication by the staircase to the ladies and gentlemen's dressing-rooms on the floor above on the third floor it was known to some of the guests was the private apartment of mr slapman a strong smell of cigar smoke as of one fumigating sullenly and furiously was the unvarying proof of his presence in the house on this eventful night he had been seen at an early hour pacing up and down the hall of his third floor belching forth clouds of smoke like vesuvius just before a fiery eruption people who were in the sad secret of mrs slapman's household sorrows looked at each other and smiled but said nothing for it was a point of good breeding not to allude to him in conversation the newer guests unaware of the melancholy facts in the case supposed that the restless gentleman on the third floor was some one of mrs slapman's eccentric friends working out an idea mrs slapman paid no attention to her jealous spouse imagining that he would smoke away his wrath quietly as usual and not interfere with the evening's amusement hitherto on occasions he had done nothing more disagreeable than to open the parlor door furtively cast one wild look inside and then suddenly withdraw his head, gently slamming the door after him. The play of the evening was written expressly for the occasion by a gentleman who had produced one melodrama at a Bowery theater and failed to produce a large number of melodramas at all the theaters in Broadway. Mrs. Slapman, a true patroness of genius, kindly permitted this gentleman to prepare all her charades and gratified him on several occasions by bringing out some of the minor plays from his stuffed portfolio. By eight o'clock all the chairs were filled, and the actors and actresses were still lingering over their toilet. After waiting ten minutes longer, and crossing and uncrossing their legs repeatedly, the audience stamped and whistled very much in the manner of an impatient crowd at a real theatre mrs slapman relished these little ebullitions of natural feeling because it made the illusion of her thespian parlor as she called it more complete at eight and a quarter o'clock the orchestra consisting of two flutes and a violin issued from behind the curtain and seated itself before some music stands ranged against the wall the performers were amateurs Two bookkeepers and a cashier in private life, and could not have been hired to play for any amount of money, though they were always willing to favor a few friends. Mrs. Slapman humored them in this whim, and they played regularly at her private theatricals. After a few nods and facetious remarks to their friends in the audience, familiarities from which a paid orchestra would have been totally cut off, the musicians dashed into a new overture, composed by Signor Mancusi, also expressly for the occasion. This musical composition had been rehearsed the week previous in the presence of a select party of amateurs and critics, and had been pronounced by the sub-editor of a weekly paper, remarkable for its breadth and color, UNDER THESE CIRCUMSTANCES THE OVERTURE WAS LISTENED TO WITH MUCH INTEREST AT FIRST, WHICH ABATED AS THE MUSIC PROGRESSED, TOUCHING THE MERITS OF COLOUR AND breadth, THERE MIGHT BE SOME GROUNDS OF DOUBT, BUT NONE WHATEVER CONCERNING ITS LENGTH. IT LASTED UNTIL TWENTY MINUTES OF NINE, AND, TOWARD THE CLOSE, FAINT SCRAPINGS OF DISSATISFACTION WERE HEARD, which would have been more audible had Signor Mancusi not been present. As the last twang of the fiddle died on the air, M. Bartan was heard by several persons to say, Bah! a bad hash from Rossini and Aubert. The remark was reported to Signor Mancusi, and did not tend to enhance his friendly regards for the other gentlemen. End of Book 8 Chapter 1